So today, we're beginning a new perspective on our theme for this year. Um, it's called The Engaged Family. Um, I, I've been calling it a mini-series. A mini-series because, you know, a mini-series is a shortened version of it. Like, we've been in this theme, Engaged, all year. We're going to spend the next four weeks, just four weeks, dealing with family, right? Uh, I believe family, our families, we need all the help we can get. Amen? Years and years and years ago, Paul Harvey did a thing about, you know, if I were the devil, what would I do? And one of the things was to uh, infiltrate and disintegrate the family unit. This was in like 1969 that he published this thing, and it has been proven true to be pretty much a tracker. One of the most prophetic things I've ever heard for uh, dealing with the culture of America and and where it's come to at. And so um, we're going to be dealing with that. It'll conclude on Mother's Day. I'm looking forward to to spending the next four weeks dealing with, with family. I love family. Family's a big deal, right? Family, families, familia, I, I, I like them. I have a lot of family. I'm sure, like you do, you have a lot of family. Some of you may not have much family. But family's a funny thing, isn't it? I, I have family that it's not always like catching up on old times when we get together. I have family that say stuff like, why don't you ever come around anymore? You too good for us since you moved to the big city? That's, that's a true story, that verbatim true, true story. Um, uh, or, or one time we were at a family reunion and one of the cousins uh, asked Rachel, said, do you dye your dog's hair to match yours? <laughs> no, no. And so I just looked back at her and said, well, I don't know. Do you still drive towards town to go hunting? <laughs> well, Yeah. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? That's all I'm saying about that. So we we all have family like that, right? We've got some family that, you know, when they show up, you're kind of like, oh, good Lord, what's this going to mean, right? It's that cousin, that uncle, when they show up, it's like, oh, man, this is going to get rough. Everybody get out your camera. You never know what's going to happen anymore, right? We could be on America's Funniest Home Videos because they're going to do something stupid, and hopefully you get it on camera when it happens. Now, I'm sure like you, we all have family members. Um, uh, I, have, I have family members. Just leave it to me. I have family members who are famous and worth tons and tons and tons of money. I mean, like big time famous. And they couldn't pick me out of a crowd of three. Nonetheless, we are related. So if you hear Cecily running around here telling about how she's related to Carrie Underwood, it's true. It's true. It is. But she couldn't put, pick me or my mama out of a crowd of three, and my mama played the piano at her mama's wedding. I mean, like, they're close. And still, she, nope, uh uh-uh. That was the other side of the family that didn't associate with the crazy side of the family. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure which one was smarter, but nonetheless, that's the way that it is. We we all have family like that. I, I have family by marriage that I like much more than the blood relative they married. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else feel that way? You don't have to point at people, and that's okay. Just, we'll keep it our little secret right here, okay? Don't, don't worry about it. We all have family like that's kind of, kind of the way that it works, right? Because you build relationships with them and you, like, and you just love them and you like them and you move on, right? Well, here's the thing. Rachel and I feel that way about church family. We've been blessed in church life uh, to grow up in some pretty amazing churches, whether it was when I was in college at Destiny Christian or, or our time on staff at Crossroads or The Bridge or here. We, we believe in making family relationships and connections with those that we're blessed to grow alongside of. And we love you guys like family. See, the thing about family is we learn from family, amen? 
We grow with family. We celebrate with family. I, I, do. I love to celebrate with my family. I'm thrilled when good things happen for family. When good things happen in your life, I want to celebrate you and rejoice with you. And, and when th- times are tough and all of that, we want to mourn and, and grieve with you because that's what family does. And each of us across the room should feel the same way about the others. We, we work that way as family. And when others are sick and down, listen, it's, it's not a, a, a paid minister's job to be the one who makes all the phone calls to check on people. It's family's job to call and check on people. Amen? So when we see people or notice people, hey, they haven't been here in a few weeks, pick up the phone, make that phone call, check in on them, love on them, let them know. We miss you. We love you. God bless you. We're here for you. That's what we do. Uh, at times we get angry with family. Maybe that's just my immediate family and my brother who lives somewhere in the sticks in Oklahoma, but we'll leave it at that. Nonetheless, we get angry at, at family. We fight with family. I, I, I don't know about you, but that's happened in my life. But the thing is, we never let anybody else mess with our family, right? Because they're our family. And family always comes first. Because when it's family, we get over our issues. We forgive. We let go. We move on with life because we love our family. Amen? That's what family's all about. So today, I want to begin the whole family series talking about us, Harvest Family. Us as a church. Because I believe when we are right with God, it helps us to be right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe when we're not right with God, it makes it much, much harder to do the same thing. It matters. And so we've got to deal with it from that perspective. So today as we dig into this, we're going to look at family from three various perspectives. First of all, first of all, from the beginning. Family from the beginning. You see, the idea of family was in the very beginning of the storyline with God. You can't escape it, right? In the beginning was God. What did he do? He created the perfect world and the perfect setting for Adam and Eve, and he put them there. Because see, here's the thing. God didn't need more worshipers. He had angels for that. In fact, he had one angel whose sole job was he was created to be a one-man band. That's Lucifer. The one who Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. That's Satan, the deceiver of the brethren. That's the one who fell because he thought he should be exalted like God. That's, that, that God had plenty of worship. It wasn't that. So God created Adam to have relationship and companionship and fellowship with. Those are three essential things for any family unit. Amen? If you're going to grow as a family, you better have relationship together. If you're going to grow as a family, you better have fellowship If you're not having any fun together, you are missing out on the joy of life. Amen? We've got to have those three things working together. So after Adam was created, God saw that he was doing a really good job at what he had told him to do, but he realized, you know what? He needs a suitable helper. You know why he needed a suitable helper? Because as much as dog is man's best friend, he just can't get the job done. I can talk to my dog, and sometimes it's not very nice, right? So God said, you know what? We need to make him a helper. So he made Adam fall asleep. Made him lay down, take a deep, out of it, sleeping nap. Now, not a power nap like you take during the third quarter of the Thunder game. But he made him go out. I mean, like out cold, like when you're watching the Dallas Cowboys play. Out. Hey, I'm a Cowboys fan, and that's all you can do the last few years. Let's get real. Yeah. This is what happens, right? He makes him go to sleep. Go to sleep. So he takes a rib. 
He takes the rib out and he uses part of the infrastructure of the skeletal system that's to protect everything vital, and he uses that to fashion and form Eve as a suitable helper for Adam. Now, here's where we would say in most weddings that it was from here that he chose uh, the rib, not, not from his feet that Adam would trample upon her or from his head that she should rule over him, but near his heart that he would love and cherish her always. That's why Genesis 2.24 says that this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. It's where a new family begins because sometimes we create family where we lacked family. I have family that are not blood relatives that are closer to me than blood relatives have ever been. They are more family to me than anybody else. So marriage and kids and family and the family unit it's been all a part of God's design since the very beginning, since day one. It's been part of the design of what God was after. And here's the thing. As you read through the rest of the Old Testament, what you find are some crazy stories about families. You see some craziness like Solomon, who obviously couldn't have been the wisest man in the world because he started marrying a whole bunch of wives. You have Solomon, who obviously it wasn't for any other reason than some political scheme. He married over uh, 700 women. I, I have one wife, and I know just from one wife that Solomon was not the wisest man in the world. And I'm going to leave it at that before the looks that I'm getting thrown actually do kill. And so, I'm kidding. He, he, it's, uh, yeah, mm, I, I'm going to stop there and move on. So it takes, it takes that sense of family from the very beginning and it's easy to see how that comes into building family out of relationships that are not blood, relatives, so that God would weave that into the design of family in the New Testament church after salvation. Since it was there from the beginning, it makes sense that God would recreate a similar setting for his young fledgling church once they receive salvation by faith through grace by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It makes sense that that's the way it would work. So once you go from the beginning, then we look at it from salvation because Jesus, I mean, he said some pretty astonishing things about family if you stop and think about it in scripture, about people who were gonna follow him. He said this in the book of Luke. He said, then, it says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, hey, your mom and your brothers are standing outside. And they want to see you. But Jesus replied, my mom and my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey. So, if we hear God's word, receive salvation and obey, that makes us all a part of his family. Amen? That's what happens in, in, in that transition from uh, unregenerate, lost, to the regenerate place that we live in so that we are under the covering of grace. That's God's process in the whole thing. It's a beautiful thing that happens. That's how God brings us into it. We're all in the family. Well, then, at salvation, he says, guess what, guys? It's a good thing you're going to have family that are connected together as brothers and sisters, uh, as, as spiritual moms and dads in this thing called the faith journey, our journey with him in the church, because some of your own families are, are going to turn against you. In fact, in Matthew 10, it says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. 
If you love your mom or your dad more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Because if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy. But if you cling, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Listen, there are going to be things that come against us, and our family sometimes isn't going to agree because we enter into salvation. Now, maybe not so much we see that here in America because it's still a, quote, Christian country, but around the world it's absolutely the case. You convert to Christianity and your family turns on you and they are ready uh, in some parts of the world to kill you right then, right there, for nothing less than having converted. We've got to make the choice. And so in our family, we're adding to the tribe. In our church family, we're adding to the tribe. Amen. Paul also had some things to say about this, and we're going to spend the crux of our time in this passage in Ephesians chapter number 2. He says this, beginning of verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship along with the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises that God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentile into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jew who were near him. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. So, after salvation, God takes the whole big mess of all the different ethnicities, Jew, Gentile, Greek, doesn't matter is what the emphasis is here. And he says, hey, all y'all, come to me. I want to be real Southern today, okay? All y'all, come. Because together we're one, amen? Together we're one family. Together we make up the most glorious, picturesque image of God's goodness in the earth, his local church right here loving a community and loving the world around us and extending the word of God to all those who are around us who need to know Jesus. That's the most beautiful thing and it's supposed to be all people, right? So at salvation, we see, uh, after salvation, we see, have seen some pretty convincing texts here passages of scripture and believe me there are many 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 more and we don't have time to stand and read them all at one time okay but they all show us that after salvation we're all made to one family with everybody who calls on the name of the lord it's part of the journey we build close family type relationships with those who are in the church because we have the most important common bond there is the salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the most important thing that we can claim. That we're all together, united as one. You see, family after salvation, you see, it, it means adding to our numbers those who are a part of our tribe. 
Family after salvation means loving and showing genuine personal care and concern for those who are a part of our church family. Family after salvation means that we don't look only for our own interest, but we take an interest in others too. Family after salvation means that we do all that we can to live in peace with everyone, and we make every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, binding ourselves together with peace. That's what the Scripture says, man. I'm not making it up. It's right there, plain as day. We are one family working together. So what this means is that if I have some sort of relational conflict with somebody in my family, do I avoid them? Do I ignore them? Do I despise them? No. It means that if I have a relational problem with someone in the family, I go to them and I work through it and I do everything I can to mend the relationship because family comes first. Family after salvation also means that it's not about color, it's not about gender. Remember back verse 23, Paul said that, he is, that God reconciled both groups together. Well, Paul said this also over in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't regard anybody according to the flesh. I don't see them. I'm not supposed to see them and see a color or a gender. I'm supposed to see them as someone who is saved by the blood of Jesus, and they're the same color as me, washed in red. Amen? And because of that washing in red, now we all stand pure and holy and righteous before our living God because of that same washing. We're supposed to be the same. It goes on in verse 17, it says that in Christ we're a new creation, that the old is gone. And then in verse 18, it says through Christ Jesus, we are reconciled to God and he has given us this beautiful new ministry of reconciliation. So God, he showed us the way, right? We recon we, he reconciled us to him and said, you're supposed to do the same thing. Re help people be reconciled to me and be reconciled together. Now, reconciliation is a tough term, right? Because reconciliation means that you put your differences aside and come together for the good. There are times we have differences. Differences aren't wrong. But when they become paramount, that's when it becomes wrong. And when it comes to family, we don't do that. So when we're reconciled with God and we're inclusive of everyone, it's a beautiful picturesque uh, portrait uh, of what God can do because has all of God's beautiful colors involved. Amen? After all, the church is supposed to be a microcosm of heaven, isn't it? It's the way it's supposed to work. So from salvation forward, we see what Scripture teaches. So the third perspective today is what about from today forward? What does family look like from today forward? This is the part that if you've got your toes hanging out you, and you don't want to get them stepped on, you might go ahead and start to curl them up. Because I don't know if you have realized, but we live in a pretty polarized, divided country right now. Amen? It's true. It is what it is. We had one hot mess of an electoral season that bred certain beliefs uh, and beliefs and values right out to the forefront of our society that many probably had thought were long gone. We've witnessed the rise of white supremacy in an unprecedented volume. We've seen churches across our land take on the mindset that the most important thing we can do is to get involved in the political marketplace. 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people being involved in politics. We all have a political edge to us, and we need to be. But the church should be known for its love for one another, not its love for one political candidate over another. We've seen people in the church who've left churches that embrace racial diversity and inclusion for churches that would rather isolate and protect. The problem is, the last time I checked the Bible, it still says that we have to go out into the highways and the byways, and we have to compel all people to come in so that they can come to know Jesus. Amen? We've seen people who would rather build a wall around their heart then allow family in because they are black, brown, yellow, purple with polka dots, might not have the same immigration status, or came here illegally. Now, I've been to some of the third world countries that these people are coming from, and let me tell you from a first-hand standpoint, if I were in their shoes, I would try to do the same thing. I'm all for we need to be a nation of laws, and let me say that very clearly. I'm all for we need to be a nation of laws. But friends, can we just stop for a second and realize that when it comes to the family of God, that really doesn't apply to us because this place isn't our home. The Bible still says I'm an alien and a stranger and a foreigner and I'm just passing on through. And when I get so bogged down and worried about what's going on right here around me instead of what's going, up there, going on up there and then, I start to miss out on what's really most important. Because I can get so focused on it has to be my way that I forget I'm supposed to love my brother regardless. I'm supposed to love the alien. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, there was a provision made for the way they had to care for the foreigner that was passing through their country. And they were not to treat them appropriately. I'm not saying, again, I'm all for let's be a nation of laws. But when it comes to the church, our heart's supposed to be bigger than that. Our heart's supposed to be all-inclusive. So that everyone can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because my goal is to convert as many people as possible to becoming citizens of heaven anyway. Amen. It doesn't matter to me where your citizenship is at. It doesn't matter what country you came from, baby. I'm here to get you to heaven. That's the aim. So from today forward, what does it mean to be family? Well, I think Jesus showed us. He said we have to become servants, right? That the first would be last, the last would be first, that the only way up is by going down in service and that what, 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 that's what family was supposed to look like, that we served one another and that we cared for them. Paul said it this way in Romans. He said, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It means that this, this church family, harvest church family, doesn't care what your skin tone is, what your immigration status says, you are welcome here. It means that if you think our country needs to go back to the quote-unquote good old days of the 50s and 60s, because that's before civil rights when blacks were able to advance themselves as a, as a community of people, then you're probably going to be very, very uncomfortable in this church family because we welcome, honor, serve, and genuinely care for our black men and women who are a part of our family. It means that if you think every illegal immigrant should not be allowed to attend this church because they're not here legally, 
you probably are going to be uncomfortable with the intentional pursuit of growing the family of Hispanic brothers and sisters who, for the most part, by the way, don't speak English as their first language. If you are uncomfortable with blacks and Hispanics and Indians and Native Americans and Asians and every other ethnicity under the sun, this is probably not going to be the church for you because if... If you plan on going to heaven, well, then we should probably get used to the idea of hearing different languages all the time because the Bible says that the sound of heaven will be filled with every tongue under, on the earth. And if that's not what you want to hear, then I'm sure there are plenty of seats in hell. By the way, when it comes to different races, let's get real and honest from the very beginning. There's ever only been one race, and that was the human race. So, for God's sake, for God's sake, let's drop every part inside of us that that tends to be a, a little bit racist. Let's remove it from among us. And let's love people the way Christ loved us, without reservation, without prejudice, and without compromise. He didn't lower the standard for one group over the other. The standard was the same. Peter says that judgment begins in the house of God. Judgment begins with us. We have to pick up the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ and let that be our banner. Amen? That and that alone is what we will be willing to be judged by. Let's serve one another regardless of ethnicity, regardless of age, and regardless of socioeconomic status. Baby, I don't care if you've got 10 bucks or 10 bazillion dollars, we want to love you and treat you the exact same way. I don't care if you're black, brown, white, yellow, purple with polka dots, you are welcome and loved and a part of this church family just the same way. Now, I know, I know this has been a, a bit more on the heavy side for the beginning message in a mini-series. We normally like to keep those fun and uplifting to encourage you to come back for the next one. Guess what? It doesn't get any more real than that. And I have a message that the Lord put in my heart that I have to give to you the way he gave it to me. I don't get to pick and choose that. This is the, here you go. So, Here's where the rubber starts to meet the road, friends. Because if you're here today and you have issues with somebody because of the skin tone that they possess, I feel sorry for you, first of all. And second of all, God's not done with you because, let's face it, Jesus Christ didn't have curly brown hair that was long and flowing. He didn't have blue eyes or blonde hair. He didn't have it. He looked like what we today as Americans would say looks like a terrorist person from the Middle East. And he loved a lily white you just the same. And he loved a beautiful black just like you the same. And so friends today, if you have issues with somebody because of the color of their skin, then God wants to deal with that and uproot that. He wants to yank that sickness out of you so that you can love people the way he loved you. 
He's still working to reconcile you to him because you don't look like him yet. So today I want to invite you in a few minutes to come to the altar and be reconciled to God. The second part of that, of this whole aspect, is if you have a relational issue with someone in the church, for goodness sake, we are family. I want you to just look at your neighbor and say, you're my family. Now, now look at somebody else around you and say, you're my family. <laughs> Friends, this is the deal. It don't matter if they're brown, white, black, purple, uh, uh, yellow, purple, polka dotted. It don't matter. It don't matter if they're skinny, thin, or, or, or great big. Maybe it don't matter. God loves us all the same. And I've been in all of them categories, so just love me the same. Here's the thing. If you've got a family issue, don't leave it. Go and be resolved. Be reconciled to your brother. Jesus said that if you come to the altar to give your offering, to bring a gift, and you remember that you have ought, you have an issue with your brother, you are to leave your gift there and go be reconciled. Now, I want to say this, okay? Because I'm going to give you some instructions to go with that. If there's someone here you've got a problem with, and they don't know you have a problem, don't go to them and say, hey, I had a problem with you, but I forgive you. Okay. I've been there and done that and on the receiving end of that, and that's no fun. Because you're like, I didn't know we had a problem, but well, bless the Lord. And then you put them in a position to need an altar because they're lying like they know what it was. Don't do that. If it's a known issue, if it's not, then forgive, get off your high, 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 high and mighty horse, jump down off the soapbox and forgive and love them. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you would say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. I have sin in my heart, whether it's the sin of racism or it is the sin of I have uh, done anything that separated me from God. Would you slip up a hand? Okay. Who else? Come on. It's where the rubber meets the road. All right. You can put your hands down. Secondly, how many of you are here and you would say, Pastor, I have a relational issue. I've got a family issue. Whether it's in your own family or the church family, I have a family issue that I need God's help with. Would you slip up a hand? All right. Dealing with the family. We've got to come together all in the family. All right. Here's where the rubber meets the road. We've got to get God involved in it by confessing, praying, and inv inviting him in. We need to get others involved in it. Our elders and our prayer team are going to come here in just a few moments. They're going to stand behind these altars. And they're going to be ready to pray with you and greet you and love you and pray over you so that we can see this accomplished. So right now, all across the room, I want you to stand right where you're at. As you're standing, I want our elders and our prayer team to begin to make their way and stand right behind these altars. And friends, if you raised your hand or you should have, who cares? Nobody's going to know why you're coming anyway. It was a pretty general altar call on purpose. Because I don't want you to feel like, oh no, everybody's going to think I'm the racist. No, 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 no. 
There are going to be some who will come because they've got a doctor's appointment. There are going to be some who are going to come because they're facing some uh, life issue among their family. They've got a bad doctor's report. They've got uh, legal issues going on with a loved one. We want to invite you. Anybody who raised your hand or you need prayer for anything, we want to invite you to come and be prayed over and receive prayer. If you need prayer for any reason, as Josh plays and they sing, I want you to come and begin to make your way this way. They're beginning to move already. Come on, somebody else.